Simon and Miguel of Battle Branches. It's the alt-rock uh, duo uh, that you guys recently um, created, and that's your, your performance name right now. Uh, you have yep. a new album called The Devil in Love, uh, which is named after the title track, The Devil in Love. Yes. Um, your sound has been described as dark, desolate, and seductive. I like that, and I would agree with yeah. that. Oh, well, thank you. I guess that's what we're going for. I sound like I smoked 800 cigarettes because uh, I have a cold, but uh, <laughs> I'm not contagious through the computer, so don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I think, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> You're safe. Yeah. Um, so before Battle Branches, um, you both played in a band um, called The Cut-Up Cult. Yes. And um, you had a, an EP that you released under that name, that band called Salem, uh, mm -hmm. which was a really cool album. And so how did, what, what walk me through the creation of battle branches. How did, um, how did you guys uh, come together and, and form that? So battle branches essentially was the result of cut up cult going under. Then the next band after that going under, and then we kind of just said, you know what, let's just make a record. The two of us, we had a few songs, we wrote a couple more. And then we just recorded it on our own, which took us, how long did it take? A year and a half, two a years? A long time. A long, a long time yeah. for six <clears throat> tracks, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, well, also understand that um, we don't live near each other. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly, right, that too. So, we, so, yeah. so this was... Yeah, this is know. the Chinese democracy thing. We were in the studio every day for 12 hours and, you know... So how is years to make. How is that process? Like, would you send each other material... Or would you just set certain times and you know that you can get together and do it in person with the with the distance? I think it's the the basic ideas, like the initial ideas. We we would just you know record a real quick demo, like super rough mm. um, of a riff or whatever, and you know then that we'd email back and forth and just you know if there was good response from from both of us about an idea, then I think it's stuck, and then we'd work on it in person. Mm -hmm. um, now. I end up going to New York uh, about once a week. Um, and so it was just on those trips uh, that, that Simon and I would get together at night and uh, eat, drink, and play yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a weekly thing, sometimes less, you know, but essentially, you know, a few times a month we'd get together and just, uh, you know, try to, well, we would record. Yeah. And of course, you know what the recording process is like. I mean, you end up keeping maybe what, you know, 30, 40% of it. I don't know. I mean, a lot of it we did and redid and redid, you know, so it, it took a while. Uh, I think it's also, uh, I mean, we learned a ton through the process. Mm -hmm. Not only were we time constrained, but, you know, we, uh, this is, this is something that we did with shall we say, very limited technology, <laughs> yeah. very limited space. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, all these challenges and it's, uh, you know, we're not like, um, you know, I don't know. We, we, we just learned a ton through the process and uh, it, of all those limitations and kind of forcing us to be creative and figuring out how to get the sounds we wanted mm -hmm. with like a ton of limitations. Yeah, um, which I think in a way helped. I mean, I think when um, when you have limitations, it uh, it forces you to kind of be more creative. I mean, you, yeah, it does force you to be more creative because you don't have, you know, the world to play with. You have, yeah. you know, very limited resources, limited, 
everything. So you kind of confined, then you have to make it work with what you got. And then um, that's essentially, I think you can hear it in the recording. Um, you know, I think it sounds good considering, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it forced us to really think, I guess, inside the box, rather than no, not really outside the box, but we had to like, you know, we were really, yeah. yeah, exactly. And just, um, you know, let's record it the best way we can. And which also why it took a long time, because like I said, we did things and redid them and we, mm. you know, weren't happy with a certain sound and other sounds. So we, you know, just kept going back and, and doing it over again. So that was a learning process too, of course. What about the percussion? Was the percussion recorded live? Is there a lot of uh, electronic like uh -huh. drum machines and stuff like that? Yeah, that was actually all over the place. Um, Miguel did a lot of the programming for it. So all the program drums was on Miguel's end. Mm -hmm. I played whatever live drums are on there. I played that I recorded up in Canada whenever I was there where my drum kit is. So I would record it there and then bring the tracks back here. And some of it is sampled that we kind of just, you know, took and just like, you know, laid into the track. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. Mostly, I would say, um, programmed, though. Right? I think yeah. most of the tracks are all programmed. That's cool, though. It adds to the sound. It makes it, you know, creates a unique sound of the different instruments that you're using. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Simon, Simon can actually play drums. I mean, yeah, so he, he's, he's he actually good. has some, some skill and... Uh, and an ear for the drums. I don't. And, um, you know, I've always been a guitar player and more recently a bass player, but, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, um, I think, uh, in a way it probably gives the sound a little bit of a, a distinct thing. Cause it's not like yeah. we have a, a session pro. Right. Just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Know, banging yeah. them out. Um, you know, it's just kind of, um, it comes through this filter of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a mostly a guitar player who's trying to think of cool drum beats that'll fit yeah, these yeah. songs that are being made with all these limitations. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it added to the chaos of it too, which is a mm. big part of it. I mean, it's a very chaotic record. It doesn't really, I mean, it does mesh, but, um, uh, you know, it's kind of just a whole bunch of stuff thrown together and we just did the best, you know, we, we just tried to make it, we kind of had it, we, we, tried to make sense of it after the fact. And I think mm -hmm. we did. And I think w with the response too, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, it sounds like this, or this is what I get from it. And yeah, we're like, yeah. oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like the answer kind of came, the meaning came after we, we, we kind of did it, I think. I don't know what Miguel thinks or what you think, but. So it kind of resonated differently for different listeners and they picked up on different themes and, and stuff in the songs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, even on the, you know, like um, musically, like we're talking about the drums, hmm. um, how it was kind of everywhere like we didn't you know one song could have program drums then live drums on top of it or it kind of cuts in and out followed by you know no drums at all or so we really um in that sense we didn't really stick to any limitations we didn't think you know um it wasn't near the end i think when we were mixing that we kind of started taking tracks out and we were thinking yeah this is too much you know so we kind of tried to thin it down a little bit but as a recording we just kind of went crazy with it so you had more tracks recorded and you just you, you picked the the ones that you thought suited the album the best. Oh yeah. Yeah, that and even the actual individual tracks in the songs, like mm -hmm. guitar tracks and drum tracks and whatever, we we took a lot out. We just, you know, thinned the songs out a lot because um I think it still sounds chaotic, but it was really chaotic before. So <laughs> we had, <laughs> It was it so. was we went really really dense with the mixing initially and mm -hmm. then, you know, there were certain times when just 
you know, less was definitely more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a big lesson I took from making that record. Do you feel, yeah, exactly. Like, so you could overmix something and mm-hmm. what you had initially might've sound better than all these hours that you put into mixing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that, yeah. that, that happens. That did happen. Yeah. Where we, what we thought was the end result. We're like, yeah, I kind of liked it better when we just recorded the demo, it's you like know, a just sounded a little raw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But you know, going through still going through the process mm-hmm. of like laying down all the tracks and just seeing what else was in us. Mm-hmm. Um I think that also ends up giving you a little bit more sense of peace when you actually decide at the end, even if you went back to the original idea. Right. Like you explored everything right. that that you could. And then um so it, it really gives you a sense of peace, I think, at the end of it when you You covered you, all like, the territory. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, we got yeah. we got what we wanted. Mm-hmm. We just needed to recognize it. It took right. us a time to recognize it. Right. And I yeah, and I think the the more you record, the more you do it, you don't have to go through all those steps to get where you want to be. I think you kind of you're more knowledgeable of the end result and, you know, you don't have to lay down, you know, 20 guitar tracks to get the sound you want. You can probably do it in one or two. Mm. What's the performance like um, for this project compared to something like Cut Up Cult, which was a louder rock band, a, you know, full rock band? Just as a duo, does that present challenges performing? Do you enjoy it better? Do the like the nuances of the songs um, are they more uh, prominent? You know, just because it's more of a stripped down performance. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that? Yeah, I think when we've performed, we haven't performed these songs with a band. We've just performed the two of us. Yeah. And that gave us a chance to really look at the the skeleton of the song and say, okay, you know, what's important? What's going to get the song across? A lot of times, um, you know, a lot of the song ends up being taken out when we perform them because we just try to get it to, you know, the what the actual song is when we're trying to get across. And a lot of the stuff we do in the studio just doesn't, either doesn't work live or we don't need it live. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's 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 what I think, but uh, yeah, it's hard. It's good to. It, I mean, it's in a way, it's really validating that the songs can kind of exist in different forms, like very mm-hmm. different forms. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. When we, were, when we were just talking about how dense the mix was, obviously, you know, we would need you know sometimes a twelve piece to to pull off right you know, the, the density of of some of the the recorded versions. But um, but like Simon was saying, getting back to the skeleton of the song and the core song itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to to validate that that can hold up without all of the kind of right. extra extra right. layers. Um, right. And so, and some songs do that better than others, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some songs where it's kind of like, yeah, we're not going to do that one. Um, it's just, and not that it's not possible, but it just seems, uh, I don't know. I guess too time consuming or too much. You know, it's just it's a whole new way of thinking. But yeah, you know, maybe we'll play the whole album at one point. Is um a safe place that's on the record? Is that the mm-hmm. original? Did you re-record that, or is that the original? Record? We remixed it. Uh, remixed we did it. the new mix for the new record. That was the one song we wanted to take from. I shouldn't say take. Uh, carry over from right, Cut right. Up Call to because uh, it just it, it fit the record I think and I think it fit. Um, you know what we're going for. Um, so yeah, we remixed it. Um remastered it uh we opened it up the original mix was very closed in it sounded very congested yeah i thought so when you know i kind of remixed it again and again with what i learned from making that first record kind of transferred that to mixing this record and i think it sounds a lot more dynamic and a lot more open i think it you know 
Yeah, you have um, a cool video that you shot for that as well and edited. That's on YouTube. People could check out. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 It's an awesome, um, visually appealing video. Um, you shot around Manhattan and Brooklyn, and uh, I believe in Canada. Yeah, where you yeah, a from bit of everything, and that's one of those uh, examples. Like I was saying before, how other people found meaning to it is when um, we were putting the video together, and I was making it. I had this, you know, this I guess vision for it, where I wanted it to be this kind of chaotic, you know, lost feeling. Mm. But I didn't really understand. You know, I, I just didn't think too much about it. I just kind of had this vision in my mind of what I wanted it to look like, so I went for it, and I, it, I pretty much came out the way I, I envisioned it. And then, you know, friends of mine. Um, we're talking about it and said, oh, you know, we like it. It's great. And they said, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a great video about being lost in New York. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that is it actually. That's, <laughs> that, that's not, that wasn't my, uh, you know, that wasn't the tagline I had in my head, but that's exactly what it is about being lost in a big city, you know? And that's, um, and I think the video, uh, you know, shows that. And I, and that's one of those examples of it, the meaning kind of coming after it. Once yeah. somebody attached the meaning to it in a single phrase, um, made sense to us and uh william burroughs makes a special guest appearance he does make a guest appearance yeah. yes <laughs> he does yeah yeah the beginning and the end yeah which um reference well and at the time we were cut of call which is probably right. where the name came from from burroughs mm-hmm. which people a lot of people didn't get i think people were expecting some sort of like death metal band or something or mm-hmm. or you know <laughs> more uh yeah uh, uh when we hit the stage i think people were kind of like what the hell is this this so um, may have been uh you know <laughs> they're not cutting themselves, yeah they're yeah. not cutting themselves like they're not <laughs> wear the robes like they're which i'd not the cutting part but you know i'd be all for the you know uh the cult aspect of it but that you know that wasn't really what we were going for so um people didn't get the literary you know mm. reference from william burroughs and the whole cut up thing which you know bowie did a lot in the 70s and i just thought it was really cool so um yeah yeah i know bowie was a big influence uh, miguel are you a big bowie mm-hmm. fan as well uh, not not to the degree that yeah, Simon, Simon is. I don't but think yeah, anyone I mean, has to obviously, that degree. Uh, it's hard not to not to look at that man's career and yeah. and find a lot to uh, to be inspired by. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think um, I, I you know that influence has grown on me just over the years with just playing with Simon as well and being exposed to stuff um, that in in you know just talking you know talking music. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, I'm sure we we all know how just talking music get, can get you to appreciate something you never give a chance to. Mm-hmm. That's not to say Bowie was someone that I never gave a chance to. I I liked Bowie, but um, but boy, the appreciation of uh, of the entire like talk about a guy that could reinvent himself. Yeah, like every yeah. Year yeah. Oh yeah. my god, it's just amazing that the breadth of his kind of artistic like catalog is unbelievable. Definitely. Uh, his last album, black star, uh, I listened to, I really liked that album. The jazz influence, uh, was just mm-hmm. interesting for me, um, as a listener of why he chose that for his last album, like the jazz ensemble. And yeah, I and, wondered that too. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting. I, I always thought maybe because maybe the idea of going full circle, kind of like, you know, the original genesis of music or yeah. rock and roll being jazz. And since he was obviously, you know, knowing he was the end of his life, maybe he just wanted to go back to the beginning. I don't know. I mean, that was just a theory. I mean, I heard he was just in a jazz club in the village yeah. and really dug this band and he was in a rush to make a record. And he was like, hey, you know, want to make a record with me. And they were, oh, yeah, of course. So that's, you know. What? Was it also an Elvis song about death, uh, Black Star? Black Star? I don't yeah. know. 
I don't know. I, I believe no. it is. I think. Yeah. I heard that somewhere. I don't know if that's oh. true, but I heard it. Oh, no, man. I'll have to research that. No, I had, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. Um, and does he have more material unreleased that's going to come out? I'm sure he does. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're releasing um, you know, those box sets of like the Bowie eras, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So there's like the 70s one. Um, the last one that came out was like up to 93, I think, or 90. And so they'll probably do the you know 90s, 2000s ones next. But as far as new stuff, no. Um, yeah. No Plan came out after Black Star a couple months later. I yeah. guess the other four songs that weren't on Black Star. But other than that, um, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole vault, you know. Yeah, the Bowie vault. He's yeah, so prolific, exactly. that guy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, did either of you watch the Grammys? The nope. only thing I saw was St. Vincent's performance. St. Vincent's performance. I didn't which I catch saw that, like the day after because I didn't know, but I don't watch the Grammys at all. <laughs> are the, the Grammys are totally irrelevant and just bullshit? Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Well, um, I mean, you know, it depends on what you're after, but there's not a whole lot to, to interest me, that's for sure. I guess, do you yeah. got, are you guys familiar with uh, Greta Von Fleet? Yeah, I've and, seen them perform. Yeah, I'm not seen on some on SNL. Like I've seen them perform, yeah. um, not in person, but I have checked them out. Um, yeah, they have uh, definitely have a cool sound. I haven't heard the record, but um, I'm not. Uh, do you think they sound just like Zeppelin? Like they're like a Zeppelin ripoff? No, no. I mean, I definitely think they're influenced, or I, I think personally, and not to, I don't know, not to sound like a dick or anything, but it kind of sounds like. I mean, they're very young, right? They're yeah. they look like they're like in their like they're 20 years old yeah right. but it seems like they had that sound going or they were going for that all along and then some dude in a suit probably said okay well you should wear like you know frilly clothes and like try to you know give the whole 70s hippie vibe thing to go with your music it so just, he kind of like packaged it and marketed it right they seem very everything. packaged there's nothing yeah. nothing wrong with that but you know they they don't seem as you know I mean, no one seems as honest as Zeppelin or as, you know, authentic. No one ever will. That's what's there's not even a point in trying, I don't think. Um, I didn't realize Zeppelin how much shit they've been accused of ripping off themselves. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Stairway yeah, to Heaven, totally. Dazed yeah. and Confused. Yeah, yeah. Um the list just goes on. I I didn't realize um, how much a, a alleged material they they just yeah or sometimes yeah. blatant. I I don't know enough about it, but some of it seems pretty blatant that they just fucking stole. Yeah. Oh yeah. From what I uh, from what I've read, like a whole lot of love is credited to, you know, like they released it as a Zeppelin song, and then is it Willie Dixon that did it originally, or that did the I riff, think, or he had a song called "Whole yeah, Lot of Love." I, I don't know. And then right, yeah. he got they got sued like in the seventies, so then they had to credit him as a songwriter, and that happened a lot in their first, especially the first few records. They yeah. covered a lot of blues songs and kind of, you know, re like reimagined them as their own, and they are very much their own. But it's tough, though. I mean, like, I mean, some of that stuff sounds really close, you know, really, really close. Uh, yeah, but. Um, but man, with music too, you know, stuff just gets imprinted of in your head sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, and you can come up with a riff that you think is the coolest thing, and then someone points out, well, "Oh, that sounds like X, Y, yeah. and Z," and you're like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not yeah. even know that They're song not existed. Of it yeah, until somebody yeah. points it out. In rock, being influenced by other sounds and then kind of making them your own is that just sort of the game of rock? Like, has that always been the game of rock? Like what I mean by that is like just the origins of rock, like taking other things yeah. and recycling them and putting a new kind of twist on them. 
yeah, I think that was the whole point of rock from the beginning. So it just, I think it depends how far you go with it before you yeah. become unoriginal, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, originally rock was what? It was the fusion of like R&B, blues, jazz, whatever, just using, and then just, uh, you know, b- before it existed, you had people like, well, I mean, even Elvis didn't really invent rock and roll. He oh, just no. put the face to it. He right. was like, you know, the handsome white guy that people would listen to in the 50s. It had nothing to do with his songwriting or his, you know, I mean, of course he had the ability, but it wasn't songwriting. The songs were there, you know, right. I mean, he just, he would he cover just, songs. He couldn't and even he made really them play popular. guitar, right? He couldn't, he so, knew like three chords on guitar or something. Oh, right. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he had, a, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously an amazing voice. Yeah, of course. As a performer, he and was he's handsome, you know, and handsome of course, man. yeah. And so that, you know, that helps a lot. And when you're trying to market music that, you know, no one will listen to because, you know, people weren't the right color or the right, whatever. Yeah. You needed, they needed someone like Elvis, as unfortunate as, as that is, but they needed someone like him to put a face to it to say, you know, oh, hey, now you can listen to it because look how white and good looking he is. <laughs> right. So. Well, I, you know, that's the point about kind of borrowing and influencing and all that stuff, Mark, it, that's something that like it does feel like that's what art is all about, not yeah. just not just rock and roll. Um, and, you know, it's we're all like. <laughs> we're all just kind of like building on a tradition or participating in some tradition. Yeah. Right. Um, unless you're super avant-garde. Um, but even then there's an avant-garde tradition. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, it all yeah. comes from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I do feel like rock and roll is like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fusion of stuff. And so, yeah, you might take, you, there might be familiarity in a riff or a melody or whatever, but when it's blended with other, other pieces and arranged mm-hmm. in a certain way or yeah. even just presented in a certain way with that certain attitude or, or yeah. what have you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what makes it, makes it original. I mean, the Rolling Stones, yeah. Well, one of the things that the Rolling Stones is so, are so great at is, is um, actually crediting people. Yeah. <laughs> True. The big problem I think early on <laughs> in the early days was that, you know, uh, they were just rip no off songs. crediting the mm-hmm. original artists. Yeah. Right. You know, they had these had these dudes in Chicago who were, you know, washing dishes all day and playing this amazing music by night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never, so never got time off that music. Yeah. And then, you know, someone like, you know, Eric Clapton comes along in London yeah. and starts ripping those songs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are mean... great at crediting people. I think, or at least I know that was something that was really important to Keith Richards. And um, so ultimately, it's not so much the borrowing. It's like, do you give it credit where those yeah. are? those things are coming from well they were big advocates yeah. right of the blues and all the mm-hmm. blues cats and they tried to promote them and like jam with them and do you know collaborations and shit like that oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah and actually i've seen documentaries of with keith richards where you know like the old time true chicago blues guys really embrace him yeah uh right. as like as as like a real the real deal know, as a kind of a kindred spirit and an ally and whatever um, but they really embrace him uh, in ways that I don't think they embrace others because he's such yeah. such well, a he, strong advocate for the, for their original music. Yeah, and his he was always and still is a fan along with a rock god. You know, he never. I mean, I'm sure he knows how great he is, and he should. But he always, like you said, credits other people, and he's still a lifelong fan. He still worships these, you know, the old blues guys, and and um, you know, he I I don't. I think he admits that's where he got it from. You know, oh, like yeah. he's not, um, you know, he's not uh, claiming to invent, you know, the blues or rock and roll. Yeah. He's like, no, no, we, we, this is where we got it. And then the Stones were an R&B band, you know, when they started. Their first 
record or the first couple were covers, you know, which were great, but they, you know, that's just how they started. And that's, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, even the first, I mean, the first couple of Beatles albums were half covers. Really? You know, that, I didn't know like that. As, as original and as, as inventive yeah. as the Beatles ended up being, you yeah. know, a lot of, a lot of us these days in, in kind of original music, we kind yeah. of turn our nose down exactly at the uh, cover bands yeah (laughs) i was gonna say and isn't that funny how back then it was the norm and nowadays you know we think how terrible it is because people only want to hear what they know yeah you know and we see it all the time in in the clubs and the bars and everything and it's kind of like we've gotten back to that 50s 60s vibe where people want to hear the old songs they already Mm know um so maybe it's not a bad thing i you know but uh, you know growing up in the you know in the 80s and 90s when I really got into music. Yeah, yeah. It was all about, you know, original music and, mm-hmm. you know, new bands had to have new music and put out, you know, new records and original records. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, being, you know, doing covers was kind of frowned upon mm. and still kind of is. But at the same time, people nowadays want to hear, you know, cover bands are the ones packing the clubs in New York. Yeah, I know. Um, what is it? I mean, we could talk all day about this, but what is it about the human psychology that they want to hear something that they've heard a million times. The reason why like back in black by ACDC is right. played on alternative rock stations on right. you know, 30 times a day for right. the last 30 right. years or whatever, 40, how many, however many years. Uh, it, I don't know if it's a product of, you know, like the society we live in nowadays, everything's just quick and to the point and disposable. And we just don't have time to listen to something new yeah. or a lot of people don't, or that's just the general consensus amongst, you know, um, music and you know even with film and TV so many remakes and reboots and you know rehashes it's like some of them are cool but some of them are just like you know leave it alone it was good to was begin good. with you know yeah they're making another coming to America are they really no. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, no yeah. how could you remake that I guess Come on. I don't know I think it's actually a sequel uh, and Eddie oh, Murphy is okay. going to be in it I'm not sure if oh, Arsenio Hall cool. yeah but um, I just saw a news clip about that, like twenty next year, I guess. Wow. Okay. That's that's that's, that's yeah. That, that's, <laughs> I can handle. I watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like so, so it's people. You know, music really music or movies or whatever. It all means very different things to different people, and yeah. you know, sometimes right. people are just listening for like enjoyment. A, they don't. Like, time, yeah. Sometimes it's deep a time warp it. back to their the time of their life when yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and other people are really listening to like be part of like this new thing, this mm-hmm. new tribe mm-hmm. that you know t- that's kind of discovering and being on the edge and stuff, right? Uh, on, on kind of the front edge of stuff. Um, but you know, there are a lot. I don't know the quote. A lot more in like that kind of normal, the normal people. Who, yeah, right. I think most uh, people don't give a shit about something yeah, new and cutting yeah, edge. Yeah. Yeah. Everyday yeah. listener. Yeah. Is. I mean, we're. Heck, we're you talking about the psychology? We are sentimental people, you know. Yeah. Like people have, we're emotional. We we attach meaning to like our teenage, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think that's it. Yeah, and I think I noticed it a lot. I think we all have, you know, playing clubs in New York where you see those, and which kind of makes sense. People are out drinking. They don't necessarily want to be depressed or don't want to think, you know, yeah. they don't want they. So which is, I think, why cover bands go over so well. And I've right. heard friends of mine say, you know, oh, they're my favorite band from New York. Uh, they play like all the best songs from the 90s. Oh, shit. It's like, <laughs> that's really? Depressing. I mean, yeah. that's great. And I'm sure they play them well, but people just want 
what they know and they want what's important to them and they don't yeah. have time to sit and listen and you know internalize it and make a connection with it yeah yeah um, and it and it kind of makes sense i mean i don't find a connection with cover bands when i hear them in a bar but i could see why people do because you know they're not in the state where they want to sit and discover something new you know they're just hanging out with their friends and they're getting drunk and they want to hear they like green day time. or something yeah. you know um doing shows around the city um are you seeing like you, i mean you guys are doing something new you're messing with synths and drum machines and rock and you know toying with uh song structure and stuff like that but are you seeing a lot of like innovative rock bands do you think there's a lot of rock bands out there doing new stuff or is it, it kind of like rehashing? Not really. I think most of the bands I see, um, you can immediately put them in a box, know, kind of. Yeah, or or connect them with a band that's already popular. You know, yeah. like oh, these guys sound just like the National. They just, yeah. they sound just like you know the Buzzcocks or whatever, which is great. I mean, uh, not that that's a bad way to sound, but I think it's hard. It's hard to really do something in innovative a, yeah. and something new. Do you think that's how, like, uh, I think even Bowie was, had said, I don't, I don't want to misquote him, but I think he had said, like, hip hop, like, innovative stuff was happening in hip hop, like, Kendrick Lamar, um, uh -huh. you know, like, Chance the Rapper, like, people like that. Um, do you think right now the tides have kind of shifted? There's a lot of innovative things happening in hip hop that maybe aren't happening to the full extent in rock? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think hip hop has kind of become the new rock and roll. It's, it's, the avenue for rebellion and for, you know, um, you have all these kind of, you know, poet, hip hop artists, people, uh, you know, they're very prolific. They're very, and I don't consider myself a hip hop fan, but I think everything exciting about rock and roll has transferred over to the hip hop world. Mm. You know, like the sex, drugs and rock and roll exist there. It's not really mm. in rock and roll anymore. Rock and rolls really become about being, and again, generalizing, but when you look at the bands that are popular, just about being, you know, um, uh, you know, easy to swallow, acceptable. This is we're a rock band. This is what we sound like. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very marketable. It's not as da it's there's an element of danger. I feel like right, know, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yep. Hip hop has that element of danger. Rock yeah. and roll, I think, is missing that nowadays. Yeah, and I, I think um, not not on the danger front, but on the kind of what you know, that kind of emerging kind of edgy music. That I think in the electronic world. Um, mm -hmm. you know, certainly not all electronic music, but I think there's a lot happening there of just, you know, kids with on their computers really just dabbling and messing around and, yeah. and composing. Some some people are composing just amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, so in electronic, it, again, there's a huge spectrum mm -hmm. of electronic music and it certainly mm -hmm. doesn't all fit into the kind of like creative genius. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, definitely. Yeah, A lot of it would fit into that kind of cover band mentality yeah, of yeah. like, right. as long as it's got, you know, that stomping beat that I can uh, mm -hmm. grind to. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I just found this. Uh, I, yeah. The, the electronic stuff is, is kind of interesting mm -hmm. in terms of a trend that I, honestly, I mean, I kind of feel like I've ate, I, I'm, I'm not, like not even invited to because of my age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel the same way, but at the same time, I don't really want to be invited to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm cool over here. Yeah. Well, I guess you could do innovative things at any age, but it's just like the mentality of like, even like, you know, for me playing in, in bands in the city, like I had this uh, foolish mentality that I had to make a record by a certain age or like do something by a certain age. Yeah. Otherwise my life yeah. would be, <laughs> but it's yeah, not, that's that bullshit. Too, yeah. That's kind of bullshit. Like, it is. you know, it's, it is. Yeah. You can define success in a lot of ways Yeah, and, mm -hmm. uh, and people, I think it's, it, well, 
people with music um, tend to define it very, very narrowly, kind of in that in that vein, Mark, of like, you know, got to get that that record out. If I'm yeah. not like yeah. touring and have a real following by the time I'm 23, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, right. you know, 23, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You know, but there's a there's a thing like my life is over. Yeah, I'll just yeah. Hang them up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there are lots I, of ways to approach it. You know, um, of course. Yeah, and, and the I, national didn't break until they were in their like 30s. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, they had careers. Um, uh huh. And uh, in 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 a way that can give you some freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're paying the bills somehow and still able to really carve out the time for your passion. That's uh, true. Create. Yeah. You know, that can give you some freedom because there's a boy. It, that's a nasty leash when you have to pay bills and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, course. trying to make songs that you know you think might sell, but who the hell knows? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true, and I think it's also our age group, you know, our generation, yeah. our product of the MTV, you know, generation, and Definitely. we grew up thinking that you know you got to get a record deal, you got to go on tour, you put out records, and then that's how it's done. You know, like that's that's kind of the all the success stories that we heard, you know, that these bands in their twenties would get together, you know, especially in the eighties, you know, like when I was a kid, all, you know, the folklore around all all the eighties metal groups and all that. It's like, that's how you kind of think it should work. And then as you know, in the time we are now, people don't get record deals anymore. You only get a record deal if you have like, what, like a hundred thousand Instagram followers, or if you have like, you have to do it yourself first, then somebody will chime in and essentially just take half your money or half of everything you do. So what's the point? I mean, the record company, you know, cycle world is not even relevant anymore. So it's in a way it's better because you can do whatever you want. And if it's going to happen, it's going to, if people, I think if something's good, people will latch onto it. It might take, Nowadays, it might take, you know, five, 10 years for that to happen. Yeah. Whereas before with, you know, marketing machines, it happened overnight. Um, but, you know, I think overall, it's better. I mean, it, it, yeah, it would be great for someone to step in and say, well, here, we're going to pay for you to make a record. We're going to put you on tour with this band and we'll see what happens in a year. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, so I got a year to, you know, kind of prove myself. But it's not like that anymore. It's very slow and steady. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the game has changed totally. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think record deals really exist. To, no, I mean, like at least like they did. They don't exist right. like they did. Right. And, um, right. But you can do it yourself. Like if you have a huge Instagram following, you have something online that goes right. viral. Right. Something right. like not Kim Kardashian, but like her sister. I forget which name. Which, which one? One of them. Um, yeah. I one don't of know. those yeah. Kardashians. Yeah. She gets the Jenner girl. She uh, gets paid a million dollars for an Instagram post someone really for for product placement and instagram oh yeah yeah oh my god simon we were watching that uh that fire festival uh documentary (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's right yeah and she was one of the she was like the big one that like you know they got her to promote it yeah she promoted it and it blew up it was like it's crazy wow it's insane and she's like what 19 i mean she's like i don't even know i'm not sure um but like she just i guess poses like does like sexy pictures with a product yeah. or something and gets a shitload of money. I'd do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I don't, not to be uh, too depressing. Did you know in 1997, the Grammys that Celine Dion beat smashing pumpkins, melancholy and Beck for best album. Album of the uh, year. I didn't know that, but I don't doubt it. Yeah. Uh, I know. That's, <laughs> sorry. I apologize for Celine Dion on behalf of all Canadians. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe that. It blew my mind. To, to wow. That. 
Um, was that the Titanic song? That wasn't the Titanic song. Right? I don't remember the album. Uh, I think I mean, it had like really? an orange cover or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know really he knows. He, he celebrates. I, yes, I, I have them all it's on a vinyl. Secret fan. I'm. You got me. It's part of the heritage. Yeah. Exactly. It's. It's. I, I can't deny it. <laughs> Um, but uh, Smashing Pumpkins, I wanted to see them on their tour, their recent tour, but the fucking tickets were so expensive. Oh, I know, right? They and what, played, they came to New York too. Yeah, I didn't I see it. They I, did I, the I caught it on YouTube. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, the ticket prices have just gotten like out of control. Yeah. Like, Nine Inch Nails, I wanted to catch them, but the tickets were like $200 each. Yeah, this actually, I saw crazy. them. I got tickets the same day off StubHub, so I got them at a decent price, but I saw them at Radio City. They were great. But yeah, I mean, you look at the prices when they go on sale or even it's like, oh, come on, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't get it. And it's a deterrent. I mean, it's... Um, are they still selling out? Are they selling these places out still? Like people are paying that price? To... The shows I go to, yeah. I mean, wow. they're all, they're, you know, they're pretty much sold out. But people, that's it. I think if people pay it, you know, promoters are probably thinking, well, why not? Why are we going to charge less? People are going to pay 200 bucks to see a band. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I don't know the the facts on this, but I think a lot, I mean, most of the venues now are controlled by just a couple companies, right? Right. Like, yeah, of course. Um, like Live Nation is the big one, but then there there's like, and they own Ticketmaster and like all the Bowery Presents stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. York, that's all Live Nation. And they, yeah. they do that all over the all over the country and the world. So it's like, I wonder, I wonder if that consolidation has something to do with, it. I wonder, you know, obviously for the big name artists, like, you know, Trent Reznor is probably able to negotiate mm -hmm. right. uh, pretty, a pretty decent deal, but I wonder how much of that goes to the artists versus how much of that goes to the, goes yeah, to the, I don't know. I That's a world I know nothing about, but um, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to actually find out how much they get paid. I mean, it must be worth their while. I, I don't see why someone like, Trent Reznor wouldn't just do it on his own, right? I mean, yeah, didn't, yeah. like Pearl Jam did back in yeah, the nineties. Was that or after that? You know, well, they tried to. They tried. Remember, they tried to fight. Yeah. Oh, prices. yeah. That was huge, and that I don't think they won. Right? Well, is it? So. Is it the scalp? Um, it's like legal scalping now, where people just exactly. buy a shitload of tickets and sell yeah. them on StubHub or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is that even Ticketmaster? You go on their site. And the first things that pop up are like the resale tickets. Yeah. You know, like Ticketmaster does it itself. Like he'll buy tickets, post them back on Ticketmaster and charge whatever they want. It's ridiculous. I mean, and whereas considering it was illegal, what, you know, 20 years ago, whatever, even 10, 15, yeah. to stand outside of, yeah, right? Like once you do it through the computer, it's fine. But if you stand outside a venue and try and sell your ticket, you know, you'd get arrested. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's just, it's robbery, but. Um, it's the world we live in. I think Trent was doing something where he actually was making people show up in person to buy tickets. That was uh, that was here in New York, actually. I don't know if he yeah. did it for the whole tour, but there was a few shows he did that. I think yeah. he might have done it here in L.A. as well. Yeah. And um, I, I wonder like what kind of success he had with that. Like if people I were heard actually, it was great. I really? People lined up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's crazy because no one does anything in person anymore. You just exactly. I considered Amazon. it, but I was like, I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. It's <laughs> too much work. I'm past that. I did that when I was young. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> You're like, I'll get, a, I'll get a resale ticket. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I'll just spend an extra 100 bucks. bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you caught, uh, I know, St. Vincent. Uh, I did. Yeah. yeah. How was that show? Like, cause she, Did she perform solo? She performed solo. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And at first I was kind of like, oh, where's the band? And then, you know, halfway through, I realized they weren't coming out. But yeah. she was great. She pulls it off on her own. I mean, she played with backing tracks and 
Um, but she had the whole like, you know, video screens and all that. It Projectors. was still very, yeah, yeah, it was still very interactive and very, she's, I think she's amazing. She, uh, I wonder like if that was a business move, like you don't have to pay a band, you don't have I've to. i heard that, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. But I it was does. just wondering like in terms of the performance as, a, as an audience member, if it was still exciting to watch without the band, it was just her performing on the stage. For me, it was. It was the first time I had seen her. Um, so I was really excited about that. And she can command it on her own. You know, she doesn't, uh, I'm not saying she doesn't need a band, but she, yeah, it, it was a great show. I didn't leave disappointed, that's for sure. Cool. But I heard she caught, I don't want to say caught slack, but I think there was this kind of like buzzing online yeah. that it was, uh, you know, very narcissistic of her to tour on her own and blah, blah, blah. And people were expecting a band. So uh, the second leg of her tour, she had a band. Oh, okay. Huh. She got a, after that. I mean, I don't know if it was because of that, but I know, you know, the, when the tour started for Mass Seduction, she was on her own. And then the second leg, like friends of mine saw her in Toronto when she had the whole band with her. So mm, I don't know if it was because of that. But um, when did, as a kid, when did you guys start playing music? How old were you when you started playing music? I was a teenager. Yeah. You got, what, what, like, what was the initial thought that you had? Like, what, was it a music video or a song? Or you're like, I want to do that. I want to play guitar. God. Sorry, this um, makes noise when I open the halls thing. That's okay. My, Go for it. Fucking throat is me. <laughs> yeah, I think um, for me, it was uh, some a uh, couple of friends in high school who played and just like being mesmerized by like their ability just to make music. Like, mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, they could pick something up and, and make music. And I was mesmerized by it. And of course, I'd listen to music a lot. Um, and never really considered making music, mm. but then watching them. And then like, literally, I remember uh, a guy in high school who I was a friend of mine. He just kind of like said, here, why don't you just try? And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I'll show you. So he, he just showed me a couple of things. And like, you know, if you just like strum a D chord cleanly, it's like, oh, that's really mm -hmm. nice. I just did, mm -hmm. did something that sounds nice. And, it, you know, you pick it up from there. But for me, it was like that combined with, uh, getting into ride the lightning by metallica and Jimi hendrix like in the same summer mm -hmm. and then it was like i'm in i'm trying <laughs> to buckle up i'm in for the ride yeah um, yeah that sounds yeah go ahead i'm sorry simon oh no yeah. i'm not i mean that sounds about right but as far as for me um i think <clears throat> i always knew i wanted to play like one of my earliest memories was seeing the looks that kill video at motley crew on mm. much music back in canada and i was just thought it was the coolest thing on earth and I couldn't wait to play guitar. I just kind of, I don't, you know, again, I was probably like five years old. And then oh, that was at five years thought, old? Huh? That was at five years old? I was probably five or six. Damn. Yeah. At the same time, really you know, Purple Rain had come out a couple years before. Mm -hmm. So that record, you know, the guitar on that record really resonated with me as a mm -hmm. kid. And then it wasn't until I was about, I guess, nine or 10. I think I was 10. And I had just gotten, you know, my CD player, my first CD player. So this was 1990, I guess, 91. Mm -hmm. uh, and my neighbor handed me Led Zeppelin IV, the untitled record, because I didn't have any CDs yet. So he's like, oh, here, listen to this. And as soon as I heard that, I, I just I listened to it. And I was like, yeah, I got to get a guitar. I don't know why. <laughs> it, just, it triggered something. And I just that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, I asked my parents, I'm like, can I buy a guitar? They're like, yeah, sure. So I got this really 80s, you know. I think it was called the Samick. It was like I still have it, Dude. but a very '80s metal guitar. It was like you know, Fire Engine Red with like the horns and all that, and the pointy headstock. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> so that's badass. what I learned. Huh? That's badass. It was badass it was for a <laughs> ten-year-old, and then I took lessons. I went to the conservatory for about five years. Is that is that what's the conservatory? Is that free? Well, 
in Canada, I mean, at the Ontario Conservatory of Music. So it was, um, you know, I guess just a place to go for lessons. I don't know. So I, and it was, that's how I learned, I guess, all the basics. And, but once I started taking exams and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> so I quit when I was about, I think I was in ninth grade. So I was probably like 13 or 14 when I stopped taking lessons and then just played on my own. What was, uh, do either of you guys remember your first band? Mine was at the conservatory. The, they put us in a band. They would get musicians, you know, like kids from that played different instruments and put you in a band together, and we just did covers and stuff. So did that was my first a, band. Did you have a name? Uh, I don't remember, honestly. No. I don't know. I, I, we must have. We played one. It was uh, We played, uh, there was uh, a Canada Day Festival in the park uh, in Niagara, and we played that. And I think we played, I want to say we played Today by the Pumpkins. We played, I think... Smells like Teen Spirit and something else. I don't know. I mean, the early 90s. Nice. And you were singing uh, or just playing guitar? No, no, just playing guitar. Playing no, guitar? there's no way I was singing back then. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny. Like, for me, especially early on for a bunch of years, it was guitar was like my private thing. Yeah. It was like... It was like that thing to like create that barrier between me and my parents. Like oh, same way, yeah. they would leave me alone if I went up to my room to play guitar, and so I would just play because yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be bothered, you know. Um, so, so I, I stepped into the band thing maybe a little later. Um, yeah, my first band was called Enot, and it was a it was a Bosnian word that basically meant "fuck you." Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> I thought it was just like tone backwards. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we used to uh, we we had a couple of originals and and then covered a whole whole bunch of stuff that would piss people off in college. And my at my college, it was very uh, it, music at my college was almost ex- exclusively jam band, like, you know stuff. And uh, <laughs> really, so we were like the only kind of punkish metalish band around. Yeah. We would we would tease people by playing like the intro to like a Dave Matthews song and then rip into like a total like oi punk like <laughs> that's awesome so we weren't popular but yeah well yeah but i didn't even have all through high school and college i knew no other musicians like i was i was not in a band till I moved to new york after that yeah. i was 25 when i started um i went, well yeah well psycho 77 was the first band i started in new york mm. with steve pang and um alex mm. and nicolette and all them um, so yeah, I, I wasn't in a band. Like I said, that was that first band as a kid when I was maybe like 12 or 13. And then like Miguel said, you know, my whole guitar playing for me was like a private thing. Like none of yeah. my friends played. No, no one was, you know, I just, it was, it was, it was all my own. And I was wanting to be in a band. So once I got to New York, it was the first thing I did. Um, and, uh, but you found those guys like, what, how do people, uh, Craigslist and, and shit mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's how I met Alex actually through Craigslist. Yeah, we tried to come up with a cooler story, uh, something a little more exciting, but that's uh, that's the truth. That's, that's, that's yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's not, we were not. Yeah, yeah, we were we were Craigslist romance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. romance. Totally. In yeah, misconnection yeah. section. Misconnections. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and so I know you were saying guitar was like a private thing for you for a while, but were you writing songs? Like, were you coming up with original stuff, like riffs and stuff, and just kind of keeping that material to yourself, or uh, always? Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually wrote. Um, I didn't write the song, but "Safe Place." I wrote that initial guitar 
um, intro with the climb thing mm-hmm. and just the chords. I wrote that when I was like 16. That Did was the, probably one of the first things I wrote. Yeah. Damn. And I, I recorded it on, I had this like little four track thing. Um, but I never did anything with it, but I was kind of liked it. So I guess I brought it back, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> so, but other than that, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I would write stuff and record, but no, I never shared it with anybody ever. What about you, Miguel? Same, same thing. Uh, yeah. I was always writing stuff and par- partially just because like I felt insecure about trying to learn like the canon of, you know, of rock and roll, you know, yeah. I would, I would pick up tab books here and there. Um, but got frustrated with it. And, and I don't know, I always did it for me. And, yeah. and there's not a lot of point in learning a whole lot of other people's songs. If you're not, again, if it was a private thing. Yeah. yeah. Me, uh, like there's not a big thrill in playing covers to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so some people it is though, not to me either. I mean, it's not for me either, yeah. but a yeah. lot of people just enjoy doing that. Yeah. So yeah, it, I, I was always writing music. I mean, and obviously it started just like, strumming out some chords that sounded nice together and, and yeah. stringing them together for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never much of a lyricist. I always liked to write work like, like, like write poetry or stories or whatever. Mm. I was never a lyricist. Um, but then once I really started making kind of interpersonal connections with other musicians, um, I loved the process of writing with other people mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so do I. and feeding off of, of like other people's ideas. And that, you know, I grew up playing sports and like eventually music um, kind of replaced that team thing for me. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Sports, sports took up a huge amount of amount of my life. So, um, so that's kind of how I've, I've kind of approached collaborating with people to that, that literally replaced sports for me. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. For me, I mean, working with other people just kind of gives me the kick in the ass I need to actually do stuff on my own. I just get lazy and I, you know, I'm like, well, I could play guitar, but you know, I'm just going to watch TV or I'll just, you know, um, watch but when you have Jokers huh? marathon. what watching a, pra- a practical jokers marathon. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which we have done many times. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, and of course you get those moments where you're just like, right, I'm going to do it and actually work on shit. But yeah. overall, when someone else is relying on you to do something or at least to be present or to, you know, I mean, you, you kind of feel like you have to, and you want to, so you don't send a chore, but you have that a little bit of motivation, motivation, right? Pressure is the wrong word. Motivation to say like, Oh, okay, well I'll, you know, let me, let me work on something just to, you know, give back and to have that exchange. So yeah, on my own, um, I'd probably like take a year to write a song or something. So um, it, it helps too with like, just getting out of, avoiding creative ruts yeah. mm-hmm. and that yeah exactly you're just yeah. like i've definitely had those periods where i haven't been in a group and just continue to try and write music and at some point it just kind of feels like you run dry mm-hmm. um but when you have you know partners who you're working with that are bringing new ideas for you to react to right um and try and get in their head a little bit about how they're seeing music and all that it, it's it's yeah. like the the great you know defense against creative ruts <laughs> yeah i agree yeah totally absolutely i think also too like for me personally when i play sometimes and i'm coming up with stuff i feel like a lot of it sounds the same mm-hmm. but when you throw somebody else in the mix they could take you in a direction you never would have even thought of going you know absolutely <clears throat> totally yeah and it can be subtle too i mean it doesn't even need to be like transforming the song into something else yeah it's like that someone just hears it reacts and like comes very quickly comes up with something you just never thought belonged there like you right. would never yeah. have, have placed yeah. it there yeah oh yeah it happens and all the time. together it, it transforms it into this 
into into this thing. That's that's the that's the magic, right? When right. it's kind of greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something interesting: um, tab books, and maybe for younger people listening, they don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was. It's so. I used to have a subscription to Guitar World as a kid. Yeah, that was like the highlight of my month. Yeah, to go to the oh, mailbox yeah. and find the Guitar World in the mailbox yeah. with like the five sound- songs in the back. Exactly. We sound so old. I know. Um, <laughs> and, I, I got to grab something for you guys to show you. you can yeah. See. I still have some of mine, actually. I have a whole stack of them that I just hung on to. Do you? Yeah. These two binders. Oh, wow. All, all 90s guitar tabs. Yes. Really? <laughs> Those are antiques. Wow. Those will be worth money someday. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's there's tabs on there from like guitar magazines from like 92, 93. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like now everything is like instant gratification. Like if you want to learn a song, you can just Google it and Google the tabs and there's multiple sites. But like back in the day, you either had to go to the music store and buy the tab book or get like a subscription to guitar world and hope that the song you want to learn is in there or learn it by ear. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, and now you can just, you just get on YouTube and there's a lesson there. Exactly. I watched you when I was a kid. That'd have been amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's wild. I mean, and, and honestly, um, you know, now like those school, school of rock and all that stuff is, is right. everywhere in all these suburban towns and, yeah. um, like kids today, they they learn music really early. Mm-hmm. They're like really good. Like they're like incredibly capable yeah. at, 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 on their instruments and kind of proficient on their instruments. And you just hope that like, there's something also going on to cultivate the creativity um, as opposed right. to just kind of like the rote learning of right, right, because oh, there's, there's an opportunity there for like us to get into a, an age of like amazing music. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that creativity is being cultivated along with like just the skill, mm-hmm. do you think like things like um, Guitar Hero are beneficial or are actually hindering? Because if you're going to spend my my personal view is if you're going to spend the time to learn how to play guitar here. I want to just fucking learn how to play yeah. actual guitar. But I, I guess it's also introducing kids to a whole like other songs that might be before their time. They wouldn't yeah. otherwise have known and making them interested in rock. But I guess it's certain- I think that's the point of it. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like kind of competitive air guitaring, right? I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Can you have you, either of you guys ever played it? I have, yeah. Are you good at it? Because I suck. For, I, for some um, reason, I suck. no, I was terrible at it. When I actual played. musicians can't play it for some reason because yeah. the timing is different or some shit. It makes it yeah. difficult to play. Well, it's 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 weird to play a guitar like that. I mean, yeah. pressing buttons and like hitting a toggle switch. Um, but also, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, oh, if you're not a gamer, like I don't play video games. Yeah, so that whole I haven't played since I was like twelve. Yeah. But console i had a super nintendo so the whole like you know um eye hand coordination thing which as a musician you have or you know you should i hope i have Mm. but still like the whole concept of a game is still i'm just not good at it you know whether i have a controller or you know a a fake guitar or whatever so i think that has something to do with it yeah definitely i'm the same way yeah Yeah. unfortunately i wonder if it kind of if guitar hero because it's it became so popular when it did. I don't need, I, I don't know that it's popular now. Um, yeah, is it? I know, it was like a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like that kind of wave has already crashed. But yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, it was so popular. I wonder if it like actually diminished the coolness 
of playing guitar because everyone was on Guitar Hero, and then eventually someone must have just said, "That's freaking lame." Like, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. And I wonder Probably. if it might have actually diminished because I've I've read articles about how fewer and fewer young people are like playing guitar, except for young women. Like really? more young women are starting to play. Oh, really? Guitar. Wow. And I guess they're inspired by like Saint Vincent mm-hmm. and like Taylor Swift. Of all people. Yeah, I want well, one of her guitars. They're so cool, St. Vincent's guitars. She's oh, got yeah. her own guitar line. They're yeah, they're awesome. So fucking cool. of art. Um, I also found a drum machine called the name of the brand is called Tonic. It's it's so fucking cool. It's like a calculator that's rewired to be a drum machine. But really? It sounds sick. Yeah, it's the it thumps like it's so cool. That's that sound um, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, uh, guitar like uh, or what's like innovative about guitar is it is it people aren't playing it because it, it's looked at as like maybe how we would look at like saxophone mm-hmm. or something i think now? so yeah i think with um you know because it was obviously so popular from like the 60s on you know kids probably look at it and you know as like what their dad plays or their mom plays you know like it's yeah. not that they probably don't see it as cool like people's parents nowadays can't program an electronic song but they can mm-hmm. play guitar so it's just i think it's the whole psychological aspect of it that once your parents or their generation are doing something it's just not cool anymore and it might be cool in 10 20 years but right now you know no one wants to emulate if your dad's playing guitar in the basement sorry miguel yeah. i don't mean this toward you but <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean like you know as a kid you might not want to do that because yeah. you know it's just not you know, you want the next whatever's next or whatever's popular. Whatever your parents like you by default, they're not supposed to like. By default, you're not going to like, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I definitely will go in cycles though because, you know, like Bluegrass has had this enormous revival, right? And it's like the the most traditional of traditional music. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, yeah. And, you know, so but now, you know, people love playing mandolin and banjo. Yeah, yeah. Ukulele, really. Yeah, that's made a comeback, right? Ukulele, like, I mean, was it ever there? But right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the a lot of the hipster bands and shit like that, like the hipster culture, is highly influenced by eighties fashion yeah. and style. Oh, definitely, yeah. So yeah. I feel and like it's I feel horrible. like our growing up, like our we were influenced a lot by like seventies, like types mm-hmm. of clothing and and music and stuff. So I do feel like it is like cyclical. No, you know, like things come back into vogue. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, guys. What's what's next for the band? What what do you have coming up? Uh, we're gonna start writing again. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna the break. Itch. What's that? We're feeling the itch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so we gotta get we gotta get going again, and just think of what the next um sound is gonna be. I guess definitely don't want to do what we did in the first record. Yeah. Not that we don't like it, but we just want to do something different. So a hip hop. We learned album? a ton. We learned yeah. so much doing that. Yeah, doing yeah. That one that like. I'm I'm like really psyched to to just apply everything we learned from the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, and what we've learned since as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like and 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 do something fresh and I agree. Um, and hopefully I, hopefully pretty different. I mean, but we'll we'll see. We'll just see what comes out. I'm not I'm not yeah. one to have like a grand vision. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to think what the end result is. I think the fun is seeing how it kind of turns out. You know, that's kind of. But I think I mean just kind of um, I don't know projecting a little bit but i think it's going to be a little more stripped down and a little uh simpler maybe and not in a bad way but i mean like more stripped down and a little more um i don't know hollow sounding maybe maybe a little more um atmospheric than chaotic 
<laughs> like we can we'll be pretty sure the record. Yeah, I mean, I think Simon and I. I don't think we know how to write music together or individually. That's not moody. So it'll all. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gonna have have a mood to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we we've talked a lot um, about about you know songs that we respect now or music that we're really intrigued by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very different than what we were talking about a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's true. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So your styles are um, growing and you have some, some new influences for this um, uh, Definitely, forth- yeah. forthcoming album. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I mean, stuff I never really thought of like um, uh, before that I didn't really consider, but after hearing St. Vincent's last record mm. that really resonated with me and I was like, wow, it's so, you know, it's kind of stripped down. Um, there's not, many part i'm sure there are many parts to it but you can't hear that many parts to it and it's just it's a it's just a good record it's good songwriting um there's it's not convoluted it's not overdone um and i like the idea of like the you know electric drums or like programmed drums which you have yeah. done but not really not as uh, much of an kind of like in a techno sense like mm-hmm. she does it with the really distorted kind of fuzzed out uh, guitars on top of it yeah. that don't even really sound like guitars. I think that's really interesting to make your guitar sound like a different instrument yeah, that people yeah. can't immediately place as a guitar. I think that's cool. So maybe something like that. I don't know. Do you uh, use any pedals to do that offhand? Like I've only started buying pedals recently. I mean, I've uh, bought them here and there. I'm not Miguel's the pedal guy. Miguel's I'm not the pedal guy. I've always kind of straight. Or I guess been afraid of them because it's just too much. I just always like yeah. to plug it into my amp, get a good tone. You know, let and it, just be happy that way and let it rip, right? Yeah. But um, it might be something I might dive into with Miguel's guidance. I'm sure he'll help me a lot. I've gone kind of full circle on him. Um, yeah. You know, I, like I've always used a fair number of pedals and effects. Yeah. Um, and now I think I've, I've I've pulled back like in terms of like dependence on them, but now I know what, what like how to use each one kind of well. I think. Um, what's like your core, uh, like the core co- setup now? Yeah. honestly, I, I've stripped it down pretty, pretty nicely. Now I just have like an overdrive, a fuzz, some trim, and maybe some slap back delay or reverb, mm. you know, it's like real, real basic. But with that, like if you mix up a fuzz, if you throw in a little chorus and, and some delay with, fuzz, you can get synthy sounds like up the wazoo, yeah. Yeah. which uh, sounds, you know, you can get really like, you just, there's a lot in each pedal these days like that you can that you can kind of coax out of them if you combine them well and all that stuff so i'm more interested in that um but i'm also one of the things i learned through the recording process over the last couple of years is just um i'm much more committed to like getting the good sound like right off the bat like at the source yeah instead of trying to manipulate things to make it sound better later yeah um, and, and a lot of that is like less is more like mm-hmm. if i just get that you know that that right mix of like the kind of crunch with the clean and the and the the kind of the kind of size of the tone that I want and all that that kind of dimension, then that'll that'll get me most of where I want to go. Cool. And uh, gigs? You have any gigs lined up, or are you going to come out to L.A. anytime soon? I'd Hang love out to come and play out some LA. shows. Yeah, yeah, I Sweet. would. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I definitely want to come out there. Yeah, for sure. It's been um, nothing lined up here in New York, not for the time being. I don't know if we're gonna focus on writing right now, yeah, recording yeah. stuff, or but yeah, we're not playing out right now. Um, I've done a few shows, uh, just on my own, just 
kind of playing songs, you know, just me and the guitar stripped down. Miguel's been doing shows in Philly and here too. Cool. Just yeah. uh, keep get you know sharpening, sharpening your yeah, set, sharpening exactly. your skills. Keep, yeah, you know, keep some momentum going. But I think overall, yeah, probably focus on writing and recording new stuff, and then take it from there. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you guys wanted to talk about that I didn't ask that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention or? Oh, that covered it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. yeah, that was good. This is a good Feel, jam. Feels yeah. good. Feels yeah. good. Feels like a good place to end it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Miguel, cool. Simon, thank you so much for the time. Thank it's you. It's always no, a pleasure thanks. talking to you guys. Always. And uh, oh, where can you find the Devil in Love? Where can you buy that album uh, if you want to buy it? Streaming everywhere. It's you know iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you know music is is streamed or you know ex- accessible to. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. It's an awesome album. Thank you guys right. so Thank much. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. All right. Later. Later.